Hello there, and welcome back to Porsche Club Insider. We're back at the podcast studio at 5 North Main. I'm your host, Vu Gwen, and uh, we've got our usual characters here, although we're spread apart a little bit. I have Manny Alban, our PCA technical director in-house, and Rob Sass, he's on the move somewhere in Michigan, I believe, with family in tow, and... Uh, Damon, he's actually off this uh, this week uh, out spending time with his family in California. Rob, where are you? Uh, somewhere south of Grand Rapids, Michigan, I believe on I-196. All right. Well, keep your eye on the road and uh, drive safely as we try to get this podcast done. We have had a lot of things going on since we were last together, and most of it took place in California. So I figured today we'll just kind of share with everyone all the all the stuff that we've done. Manny, you want to start? Yeah, it was a whirlwind trip uh, and very busy. So let's see, we flew out, uh, you and I together first, and before the rest of the gang came on the, the following day. Um, we went there because we wanted to check out the uh, Good Vibes Breakfast Club which is this, uh, they, they hashtag not a club. Uh, it's not an organized club. It's just a bunch of car enthusiasts that get together and they uh, meet in the parking lot of this uh, shuttered restaurant. And um, it, it was a blast. Um, but going back a little bit, when we landed and we rented a car, uh, um, Vu got very excited when he saw pickup trucks <laughs> at well, the National Rental Car Parking Lot, and he zeroed in and went past all the other potentially cool cars and went right for the Chevy Colorado crew cabs. Okay, well, here's here's the reason why. The reason why is we, you know, the, the whole focus of this trip was to uh, carry off Unstock, uh, our event that was going to be on that Sunday at the Gunther Works headquarters. And with any event, we shuttle tons of stuff, tables, chairs, signs, cones. And um, when when I see a truck available at the uh, at the rental lot, I do get excited. And this co- Chevy Colorado happened to be a very close blue to. It was Club like Blau. a painted sample. Uh, yeah, it was like a painted <laughs> sample Chevy Colorado. It was actually a decent looking truck. And, and, and being being you know at LAX in SoCal. It, it seemed like it was parked there for a while. Nobody there wanted it but me, so I felt obliged to to pick that car up and uh, or pick that truck up and use it. So, uh, yeah, we had never been to this uh, Goodbyes Breakfast Club meet, and um, they meet at Newcomb's Ranch. That's a restaurant that's uh, no longer in business. And I looked at the map to see how far away it was from our hotel. It was going to be a bit like a two-hour drive, and we had to wake up really early. Uh, but I saw the uh, actual road the Angeles Crest <laughs> Highway. Or, and I looked at Vu and I said, uh, it looks like you're going to be driving this. And I had no idea what he was talking about. So that's the first time. Is that, wait a minute, that's the first time you've both been on, on uh, Angeles Crest? First time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've heard about it so many times. Um, it, I didn't the realize. The only two people in automotive journalism who haven't been on Angeles Crest. Yeah, um, and I chose the perfect vehicle to take on Angeles Crest. Yeah, were there actually any civilian plates there that day, or were they all manufacturers? No, no, people are commuting back and forth uh, using that road. Yeah, it was, uh, 
it, it's a driver's dream as uh, everyone in the world except us uh, had not never driven uh, that and I'm sure a lot of listeners uh, probably have not driven it who are not from California and it's definitely yeah, worthwhile preferably not in a pickup truck although I got to give props to Vu he uh, drove to piss out of this uh, Chevy Colorado <laughs> And he kept on asking me if I was car sick, and I don't get car sick very easily. So I was just sitting in the right seat uh, looking at my phone and looking at the scenery. It was, uh, I don't know how many turns, but whoever did it, designed this, was had to be a driving enthusiast because Absolutely. everything's uh, cambered. Yeah. It's a great driving road. And you've watched other videos on YouTube and have seen so many people drive up there, and you hear about it, but until you've actually driven it, you go, now I totally get it. And then you see all the spots where people have pulled off and taken, you know, the, the photos of the press car and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, man, I can't believe this road. You you think of L.A. and you think of traffic, you think of, you know, eight to ten lane wide highways. But this gem of a road exists and it yeah. climbs thousands of feet up. And really, there was no traffic. Now, granted, we left at the crack of dawn to be there by like eight o'clock. But that road was pretty open. I mean, it was. It is pretty amazing. For people who don't know, it starts at uh, La Cañada, Flint Ridge, which is about, I don't know, 15 minutes uh, from Burbank and Pasadena. And it starts at about 1,500 feet above sea level and climbs to about 7,500 feet. So you can sort of do the math and get some idea of what it's like. But yeah, it's, it's incredible. I think it's a. People actually do commute into the, the LA Basin from. Uh, Irwindale or Palmdale, whatever's up that way. But it's it's an incredible road. And in true L.A. fashion, like I was extremely surprised that there would be a good number of people, a lot of people on a Friday morning. I guess they didn't have to go to work. We just happened to be there and we could <laughs> we could go. Uh, and uh, there were, I mean, that parking lot filled up pretty quickly. And, and it was just all sorts of cars. I mean, we saw anything from Porsche. But even before that, the best part was it's actually a uh, lover's lane. <laughs> it's a very romantic <laughs> spot, especially 7 o'clock in the morning on a Friday. Because uh, Boo pulled over to take pictures of uh, one of the scenic views. And what we saw was a um, we saw, we saw exposed uh, derriere <laughs> of a man in the backseat of a, a BMW. I noticed that it was an E46. <laughs> an E46 uh, is a, a 2000 to 2004. Don't quote me on the years, but uh, BMW 3 Series. I'm a, I'm a fan of those. And I noticed the E46, but then I noticed something was going on in the backseat. And let's keep this PG and we'll just say... Um, if the moon came well, out. You got to mention there was a foot on the headrest <laughs> and another foot in the rear window. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I'm sure they couldn't believe that we pulled up on them. So, anyway, sorry to have interrupted them. <laughs> yeah, somebody said, Did you take photos? And I said, You know, I think both of us were like kind of surprised to see that. That never occurred to us to bring our cameras out. <laughs> and I'm not sure what we would have done with the photos, anyhow. So, yeah. anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, this meet was pretty cool. It's uh, we I've seen yeah. pictures on it on social media, and uh, it's a um, it, it's like a cars and coffee right in the uh, smack in the middle of this highway. Yeah, a lot of enthusiasts. Yeah. We we actually one of the first cars that we saw when we were up there was a a modified long hood, and um, it looked perfect to to be at Unstock on on Sunday. And met the the owner, super nice. It was a car that he built to to drive and. Very tastefully done, obviously very modified. 
And, you know, we got into, hey, so what are you doing Sunday? And he goes, oh, I'm going to Unstock. So that was perfect. Yeah, it was a, uh, almost every cool car that we saw, we mentioned Unstock and they were already registered. So it was a good omen of things, uh, things to come. So after we did the uh, segue into actually talking about Unstock. Well, uh, after we did the, um, the, the, uh, advised breakfast club, um, we, we went to, uh, PCLA's, um, fifth anniversary. fifth anniversary. Yeah. We squeezed in that before, uh, Unstock. Unstock was Sunday. So that was, uh, PCLA was Saturday, Saturday, right? Saturday yeah. morning. And, uh, we squeezed that in early in the morning before we did set up for Unstock. And yeah, it, uh, hadn't been to PCLA in a while. I've got to say it hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, they had separate parking for for those that didn't buy, I guess, uh, parade laps. We we were very surprised to walk well, in. Well, you didn't take a parade lap in the Colorado? <laughs> no, I did not. Seriously? So our goal was to get there quickly, say hello to everyone, and then go get ready for Unstock. But, um, you know, walking through the doors... We, we, we did see a lot of uh, PCA members, uh, local region members out in the, out front and, and just milling around. But probably the highlight for me is walking through the doors and seeing the Mission R parked there. That thing is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a lot better in person than in, uh, I mean, in pictures, it was an impressive looking car. But seeing it in person, uh, you really get to appreciate um, uh what a cool looking car it is. And if this is the future of electric race cars, then bring it on. And what you don't see yeah. in pictures, what you don't see in pictures is the relative size. I'm not saying it's a small car, but as far as a, you know, a race car, it's pretty compact and you can almost guess what the street version of that car might be. And I'm pretty excited about that. Right. And it, it was at the LA Auto Show a couple of days later, and I, I'd echo what uh, what Manny just said. I kind of didn't get it when I saw it in pictures. I sort of in profile found it to be like egg shaped, sort of, but in person, it's it's really pretty spectacular. Absolutely, they had you know. So for their celebration, they had commemorative merchandise. They had. A- artists painting on a car you could listen we, we couldn't stay but probably the, the thing that i would have loved to do was to listen to andreas pruninger and frank walliser um they had sort of a, a a tech session let's say set up in motorsports that would have been so cool to sit in to listen to that yeah that was uh unfortunately we didn't know about that we had to uh do setup as well for unstock but we got to meet with them for a little bit and they were just happy to uh just to be, be out. To be out, exactly. <laughs> to be back in L.A., to be back in the U.S. Um, you could see uh, that their their plate was filled very quickly with the uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, we, we did ask them to uh, if they had time to come out to Unstock, but it seems like uh, their dance card was pretty full. And later on, we saw the, um, the Instagram, Spike Ferrison's Instagram, and uh, I think Jerry Seinfeld brought his, all his toys out to the uh, hangar, or added the hangar, and uh, they got to drive the 550 Spider. Sitting in 908. They um, got a better offer. Yes. I'm not mad. I'm not um, mad. I would have I would have done the same thing. All we had was a Chevy Colorado. <laughs> but a, a Club Blauen. <laughs> so, Sunday, Unstock. Oh, my goodness. We've been planning for Unstock for quite some time. Uh, for those of you that haven't heard about Unstock, it was um, almost a, uh, a, a theory that was 
put into play um, came about from Peter Peter Nam and I and a few other folks at uh, SEMA a few years ago, noticing all of the modified Porsches at SEMA. And uh, we made a pitch to the PCA Executive Council to see if we can't do a show a few weeks after SEMA and all of the SEMA built cars could be showcased because most uh, non-industry people don't get to get into SEMA, so they'll never see these cars. So we thought, what if we did a show where those cars could come together? And then also we would ask all PC members that have modified Porsches to bring their cars out. So it's a little bit of a departure from a traditional show. Um, started at 11, from 11 to 2 versus a, an early PCA event. We had no agenda, no judging. We had a serious XM DJ spinning the tunes, top 40 stuff. We had food trucks. We had seats for people just to mill around. We had an artist that um, brought out some, created some um, beautiful prints for us that people could use to take Instagram photos. And more importantly, Guntha Works opened their production facility for anyone to walk through and just see the different stages of all these cars that were being built. And of course, the final pieces that were built. It was uh, finally coming together. And um, yeah, so Manny, take it away with the with the start of it that day. Well, the uh, even before the start, the planning of an event like this, um, from the national viewpoint, this is especially uh, challenging because uh, we're, we're East Coast, obviously, and uh, this was a West Coast event. So it wasn't like we could drive to this location and, and an hour and drive back and check things out and measure uh, parking spots. It was all done remotely. So when we showed up, we had to really scramble to um, get things done. And that was laying out a parking lot. Uh, so it doesn't look like a parking lot. So it looks like a curated uh, car show. Um, we had never had an event here. The uh, only thing they've had was uh, Cars and Waffles, I think. They mm-hmm. did like an open house yep. to go from. But uh, this was going to be even bigger than that. Uh, with, as you said, like the DJ and uh, and um, invited cars. and So it was, um, we worked there about five or six the night before laying out this uh, parking lot and getting all the logistics, little things like porta pots, yeah, um, tables and chairs, uh, things that, uh, and and taping a hundred spots where how so the volunteers would know exactly how to position these cars when they came in, but it, it went really smoothly. And uh, yeah. shout, shout out to the Orange Coast region and uh, Monica and uh, the region volunteers. They did a phenomenal job. We taped the parking spaces, but they put every car exactly the way we had anticipated in the field, so to speak. Um, their display area looks fantastic. Yeah, our president, our national president's an engineer, and uh, our national treasurer. If he's not an engineer, he wants to be an engineer. <laughs> and between the two of them, second guessing our measurements <laughs> and remeasuring, I think the first three spaces took an hour to uh, tape. <laughs> so we we had to gently uh, remind him that we were fighting a sunset here, and we had to get this done before it got dark, and we couldn't see anything. Uh, so yeah, they sped things up and we, we, we got it done in time. So what did you think, yeah. Rob, just kind of come in and afterwards? I, well, I can be, I think even more effusive in, in my comments on this. Cause I had nothing to do with the planning or execution of it, but you know, hats off to the people who conceived it and green lighted it. Because I think it was really important. The diversity of, of cars, there's some really, really super tasteful builds that were great to see. 
but the sort of the diversity of people who were there. I mean, honestly, it's the first time at a PCA event that I've ever, you know, I've seen anyone wearing a Wu-Tang Clan t-shirt. So, <laughs> you know, that in and of itself was, you know, was, was something new, but it was, uh, it was fantastic. It was like nothing that, that, uh, I think PCA has done before. And I'm really anxious to see what the follow-up's going to be. Yeah, we, we, so, you know, the, in typical fashion, there were some early birds, which was a good thing. The event didn't start till 11 o'clock, but we had someone roll up at nine. We actually had a few people roll up the day before just to check it out so yeah. that they were, they would know exactly where they were going. Um, but really by, by 1030, our show was ready to go. Folks, uh, those that were displaying cars were asked to come at 10 and they, they certainly did. We were ready to go at 1030 and, um, then as 11 o'clock came around, you could see Manny was uh, manning sort of the, the entrance into the business park and people were parking around the business park and you could see the wave of people walking towards the event. And that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, uh, so we had to, we had to go by registration. I became de facto a registrar, uh, and there wasn't a lot of, a lot to go from. Uh, some people um, gave pictures, some people didn't, some I had to look up to social media to look at pictures of the cars. We wanted cars that looked modified, uh, not cars where you change the uh, the bezels on the dials or your uh, your gear, gear shift knob, something small where you couldn't really see the, the difference. We wanted cars that stood out as modified. So um, I think we did a good job of uh, bringing some cars in, like you said, from SEMA, other cars that we saw that Elko, uh, mm-hmm. our advertising director, he saw uh, while he was going to Cars and Coffees. And so... You know, it wasn't the wasn't the same cars people see every Saturday or every Sunday at a Cars and Coffee. It was uh, people brought us some special cars, and yeah. it was uh, it, it went really well. The weather yeah. was uh, yeah. better than normal. The uh, oh yeah, the uh, I felt bad working. The, it felt like I was working the front door of some exclusive Manhattan nightclub <laughs> because uh, we had about seven extra spots uh, that we still could fill, um, and having to turn away like three or four GT2 RSs simply because they were just stock, <laughs> you know, a Y stock package didn't cut it. You had yeah. to have something modified on the car. Uh, <clears throat> meanwhile, we let in like a regular 944, but it had a wing and body work and, you know, it was modified that could come in. But, uh, yeah, if you had your GT2 RS Y stock, unfortunately you were parking in the street that day. So yeah, you have to live out your studio 54 pounds or exactly. <laughs> So like Rob said, you know, I was pretty proud about the the diversity um, in age and and such that, uh, you know, we we saw with the attendees, but probably most proud about is we looked at the registration and probably a little bit more than a third of the folks that were displaying their cars had never done an event with PCA. And uh, that's, that's, that was the whole motive behind this is we, we certainly believe that there is a group of people that we haven't been able to reach out to, or maybe they feel intimidated by the traditional events that we offer. And by no stretch will this be the norm, this event be the norm for PCA, but it's just one more added uh, event to the, the mix of many awesome events that we have. And hopefully you'll see some of these people that are you know finally coming out and feel welcomed be a part of PCA, and they might be the next region president or national president or some sort of chair in our event. And I think that's really important because again, the, the age of the folks that came was, uh, you know, they, they were young and they were excited and they felt 
so welcomed. Yeah, and I was surprised how many uh, appreciated having uh, Gunther Works open. Mm-hmm. And you figure that being there that everyone's seen it, but evidently this was something new. And uh, and kudos to Peter Nama, uh, who runs Gunther Works, who owns Gunther Works. He um, brought in his staff and had a position in front of every car. So if you had any questions, I, every time yeah. I walked in there, there was people, his staff was always talking to a group of people about every little detail of the cars and how they built it. So that was better than just having the cars parked in the bays and, and people looking at them wondering how they did this or wondering how they did that. Yeah, that makes that yeah, makes a that complete really, difference. That really was a highlight, being able to tour the Gunther Workshop. And as you would expect, and you know, it was so sanitary and so well laid out. I mean, people inside wearing masks that actually kind of looked like an operating room. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like going to, you know, I, I don't go to a lot of art museums, but once in a while, my wife drags me to one and um, having a docent explain to you what you're looking at <laughs> makes a big difference and you appreciate the artwork much more. And although we are car people, but you don't realize, you know, how lightweight a carbon fiber fender is. You don't realize the different things that they did, you know, that they do in house to make those cars. So they, they had a, a staff member every 10 feet to, to answer the questions. And I think the future of Unstock has to have that element in it where attendees not only see these, you know, beautifully modified cars by our members, but there's some sort of special access to, you know, be it a, a Gunther Works type of shop or some sort of manufacturing or, or something. It was interesting how much, uh, how good of a customer of Porsche Classic Gunther Works is. Because uh, even though, you know, you take a donor 993, and, and these aren't trash 993s, these are in really good shape. Um, you know, it's still an older car, so Gunther Works isn't going to put in the same oil line hose or little parts that were worn out. So they go to Porsche Classic to get these replacement parts. And, uh, yeah, they said they had a great relationship with Porsche Classic and uh, with uh, how many parts they from buy from and part requests and whatnot. It was... Uh, Fascinating because sometimes you think that this is competition to Porsche, but right. I don't think well, with Gunther Works they look at it that way. No, so and and also you know thanks to Peter and Gunther Works that they we had all modified cars like the big cars we had the Singers there we had Tech Art there, and you know without hesitation Peter's like we want everybody to come we we are happy to host PCA's event it's not about a showcase of Gunther Works. And uh, we had everything there. And probably the biggest surprise <laughs> that we brought and put center stage, uh, again, based on the initial conception, the idea of this show was to bring a SEMA car to Unstock. And we put center stage, a vehicle from, you know, take a deep breath. We put a car center stage from West Coast Customs. Yes, the same West Coast Customs that brought you Pimp My Ride. And when people... I would not have in a million years guessed that that car was done by West And we told Peter Nam. We told Peter Nam, and he's like, uh, what? (laughs) Raised his eyebrows, and uh, we were like, you got to see this car. It's incredible. It It does not have, you know, 10, you know, 10 LCD monitors. It doesn't have Lambo doors. It doesn't have... And no disrespect to the builds that West Coast Customs have done before on other cars, but you know, they were known for that. Right. And so, so even, even to a outlaw PCA modified person, like a, a, a more traditional West coast custom build is pretty outlandish. Yeah. When you told me that that West coast customs was going to bring a car, I honestly was expecting something (laughs) 
you were going to signify to Laura in our office to start drug testing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let's, let's talk about the car that they brought up. Well, what year was that, man? The 77 911 that they made into a 73 RSR replica. And man, did it looks gorgeous. And we'll have a video here shortly and we'll have some photos um, that will direct you on the PCA website so that you can see photos of the car that we're talking about. But I, you know, the first time we saw that SEMA, I couldn't help just constantly say to Lorenzo, the, the project manager, like how tastefully done this car was. I mean, all the little details and, and very unlike West Coast Customs, like you, if that car was parked and you didn't know, it didn't have any labeling, um, you wouldn't know it's a West Coast Customs build until you dig deep. Yeah, and we it, didn't know it was because it was actually at SEMA, it was on top of the uh, Continental stand. So we thought something Continental Tires brought in, and it wasn't until uh, we got closer that we recognized some of the guys from West Coast Customs. And so finally I asked, I said, uh, there's no badging that says West Coast Customs. And he said, actually, if you look behind the grill, he says, you'll see our logo real, real uh, subtle. Yeah. And we got on the stage and sure enough. So it was, um, yeah, it was very well done. And I think a lot of people were surprised that uh, West Coast Custom did Porsches. And I, and I would think Lorenzo being an enthusiast, I think he drove with his family. The, that car was brought on a trailer. He drove with his family in a beautiful Oh, if you didn't see this, Rob, yeah. you would probably cry and make you have uh, seller's remorse. But he came in a guards red. Don't era. call me a 996 era. I, I knew you had to get that big in. Dude. You know, you and, the, you and the guy that I sold it to, who like once, you know, every other week, text me photos of, of my old uh, 996 era kit car at some it was a cool place mint, in Austin. Mint, yeah. not, guards red 996 aero kit car with, I believe he had later style roof wheels on it. It looked good. It yeah, looked it was, good. they were five spoke roof wheels. Did you see I, it? I saw the car. Did yeah, you cry, I was there did you cry with a little you. bit? Did you cry a little bit? I, I, I did. I did. Yeah, because you had to point it out to me. It's like, you know, I could have walked, I could have made a left going out of Unstock and, and uh -huh. walked to my rental car without seeing it, but you had to make sure that, no, that I saw the car. It was so, an opportunity. Thanks. It was an opportunity. Thanks but, for stoking the seller's remorse there. You're welcome. But, but yeah. back to Lorenzo. Lorenzo is truly a, a Porsche enthusiast. So I think he's the one that kept that build, you know, uh, in, in line, so to speak. And all the little details from the, 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 the cloth uh, inserts for the seats to um, just the, the shifter, the bezels, the motor, right? The motor and how it built up super clean. In, um, they even took the sunroof out and uh, yep. properly and uh, put in a... Uh Slick top. Yep, exactly. The wheels, uh, the, the the colors, everything about the car is nicely built. So hopefully you guys will, will see some photos of it and, and video of it here in the near future. Any other cars catch catch you guys' eye? Oh, that, that rally build. Sorry. What did you think of that rally build? That uh, The white one. The white one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was in, that been in the media and the pictures, but seeing it up close, it's, uh, it's pretty insane. wide and yeah. it looks like it's definitely uh, purpose built. Yeah, that, that was not a car just for looks. Uh, oh, the Safari 911? Yeah. It yeah, went. you know, just when I thought we'd reached sort of peak Safari Porsche, that car showed up and, and sort of raised the bar. Absolutely. The one, the one that uh, I follow under, I, I think I've seen everything, but then something surprises me, was the uh, Trans-Siberia. Oh, the, yes. The woman who brought it, uh, she was, when we first saw her come in, all we saw was a Trans-Siberia 
with another Trans-Siberian on a trailer being towed and, uh, you know, two Trans-Siberians, which it's, it's pretty, um, pretty rare. But uh, what she actually had was the street version towing the actual race version. The black and orange Trans-Siberian. Yeah, the ha- Halloween car, I guess you're going to call it. Are you kidding? Yeah. Actual, I don't know if you looked at it, Rob, but this was the actual race car that the factory built to run in the Trans-Siberian yeah. Rally. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. I mean, you know, when are you going to see an E1 Cayenne towing any other E1 Cayenne? I mean, that's... I'm matching I think people don't realize... <laughs> I. Um, what's the tow capacity of, of, uh, of an E1? 7,000. Uh, 7,000. 7, yeah, it's like yeah. 7,700 pounds, something like yeah. that. So, yeah. So, yeah, she had an aluminum trailer. capable tow vehicles they are. Yeah, it, it, it was an awesome it was, uh, I took a lot of detailed pictures because, um, well, quite frankly, I've never seen this car in the museum, at any events, mm-hmm. the actual race version, and how Porsche Trans... You know, they, they put a roll cage in the Cayenne, and it looked like a cup car roll cage, they changed uh, the door panels, the center console. It was just purpose-built for a uh, a multi-day professional rally. It was really fascinating. She kept it, uh, all the stickers on it. The stickers are all starting to crack now, uh, but it's um, it was an incredible piece of history. So uh, I know I think they did a video on. They did. They they interviewed her. So hopefully we'll get the story. But do you know how she obtained that car? Like, how does one even get? A That's what I wanted to find like out. That? I said it would have been interesting when. I didn't realize what it was until we started talking to her about the car. And when she said it was a real thing, that's we all took a closer look at the car and she opened all the doors up and it was, uh, well, I think the really time is right for that car to be debuted. Cause at SEMA, we saw a few Cayenne off-road builds. And I think, you know, with Cayenne E1's pricing dropping probably to the lowest point that it's ever had there, people are now picking them up for a song and realizing that they can put a uh, you know taller suspension, a little bigger wheel and tire combo, and uh, even even a stock E1 is incredibly capable off road because they were built to be off road vehicles, unlike you know the, the more modern versions. So right. Rob, you, Rob, you yeah. were looking at that. Was it a green? I hate to say in color since I'm colorblind, but that uh, oh the olive green uh, 964, the, the wide body, yeah. Yeah, the guy who brought that was was uh, high up in, in uh, the design hierarchy at, at Kia, and it was just a complete designer's car. It started out as a, as a wide-body uh, 964, um, and just, uh, we all looked at the car. I mean, choice of wheels, color, uh, the interior work was all just absolutely first-rate, completely tasteful. It was just absolutely a elegant, elegant, built, just fantastic looking car. Probably one of my favorite cars there. And you said you came from the design house at Kia? Yeah, the guy, his day job is he works in design at, at Kia, I guess somewhere in Orange County. But, um, you know, you could tell that it was a car that was conceived, you know, built, owned by a designer. Just all the, the little touches, little details with um uh, the way the sports seats were done and the interior, the color choice, the wheels, everything about the car just reeked of good taste and good design sense. Are we going to see any of the cars from Unstock be featured in Pano in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, probably see, you know, at least two or three cars from there cool. uh, featured in Pano over the course of 2022. Awesome. 
Well, anyways, thank you uh, to everyone that that made Unstock happen. Manny, uh, thank you for stepping up with being a registrar and uh, the the HQ team for setting up uh, the parade, uh, not parade store, I'm in parade mode, but the merchandise store um, and the booth and everything just went as planned. And I'm so proud of everyone. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it again. Uh, I, I don't think that we'll be able to host it at that same facility because we kind of knew going into it that uh, we had to limit to a hundred cars uh, just because of parking um, restrictions. And uh, so we'll obviously have to find a new home for it in the future if we decide to do it. And then also we are already getting questions. Would there be a similar show uh, maybe in the East or in the South or in the Northwest Midwest? Midwest. I mean, people are going, that was pretty cool. Can we have one too? So if you're interested Maybe reach out to us and let us know, and you know we can put something together. But um, let's uh, let's talk about uh, our, our next event uh, that we had to prepare for after Unstock, and that was the LA Auto Show. And uh, for those of you that have been following on, there were three world premieres at the LA Auto Show. Porsche did their world premiere video on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific time, and um, I'll, I'll be kind. It, it was it, it was a world premiere. <laughs> Um, I didn't get as much information as I had hoped <laughs> from that premiere. Let's be kind, Manny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've watched it, you'll know it what, what I mean. It was very German-like, <laughs> best way I can describe it. Uh, I guess at some point somebody said, that looks really great. I think we did a great job of... Uh, it was It, would it was seem pre-recorded. Like it, it was pre-recorded. It did scripted. have Mark Webber. It did, it did, it did have A-listers. Yes. But I just felt like I didn't learn as I, I didn't I didn't learn as much about the cars as I had hoped, which presented an opportunity sure. for us because um, Porsche Cars North America allowed us to do a live uh, a Tech Tactics live on the floor Friday morning, and so with that we we prepared Thursday and showed up at the booth and tested everything and we were all ready to go. Six o'clock in the morning on Friday, we show up, we get 200 lucky PCA members into the breakfast preview. They're having breakfast. We are getting ready to go live. Uh, 8.15 was the go time and around, uh, I want to say 8.05, we start to go prepare and then panic sets in. Yeah, the... uh... (laughs) We were throttling great uh, upload speeds, uh, which is critical for a uh, live broadcast on YouTube. And uh, it just plummeted like a bad stock price. And, and, and no one knew why. And uh, and of course, we, we were promising the world that we would go live at 8, 8.15. By 8.10, you know, they're resetting routers and doing all this stuff. And we're still we're still nowhere. And uh, as as my you know last last toss into the end zone, I just connected my cell phone and hoped that the five G network was enough to broadcast. And we also had some footage that uh, HQ already uh, Robert already had in queue, so that if if things were to go bad, he could kind of cut over to those scenes. But we made it work. Is it the best quality? Wait, you actually video? did that whole live stream using the five G for your phone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, not not ideal, but it was better than disappointing everybody that we weren't able to go live. The audio, 
the audio it was definitely listening. I thought it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> the weird thing is my laptop was showing like 120 meg upload. Yeah. But we couldn't get the microphone to be recognized by my laptop. Because we weren't planning on using his, his laptop. Mine was going to be like the uh, uh, wide shot, uh, not not using for audio. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I like I told Robert, yeah. who ran well, let's, control. Let's talk about the actual <laughs> hardware of the show <laughs> in the cars. It was, uh, we got through it. We got through it, and um, we kicked it off by, if you haven't seen it, we kicked it off by seeing the Tycon Sport Turismo and the wagon form, for those of you that don't know. The Cross Turismo, which is the, the sort of the off-road version. I, you know, I, I, I like the Cross Turismo, but I've always hoped for the Sport Turismo. I thought this is what would have come this out. This is the best looking version of the Taycan yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, do we do we think it's the best looking long route Porsche? Do we think it's better looking than the Panamera Sport Turismo? Yes. yes with that, absolutely. Which I, I with think that, that was that, in last year's design issue of Panorama. I think that is a because it's also a small. Car. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a touring or a wagon or whatever, a shooting brake, whatever you want to call it, but its proportions are on point. I mean, I think the, the yeah. Panamera version, even the sedan of the Panamera is, is a big car. Whereas this one is a, a bit smaller, a bit more compact. Uh, it's very sporty looking. It's, it's a gorgeous car. Yeah. And I yeah. love the summer, uh, or, you know, that roof, uh, it looks so much different uh, in black yeah. than it did on the Panamera. It was just uh, so that well roof. Executed. I have mixed feelings about that roof. I think uh, it does look good. It's it's the one where they have liquid crystals or something like that in there, and you can hit a button and it powers it, and then it darkens it so that you don't get burned from the sun. Which is the functionality part of it is fantastic. However, in my cheapness side, I worry about man. If something happens to that, whew, I can't imagine how much that costs. <laughs> Manny's just staring at me like, what the what the heck, dude? <laughs> how often do you break your sunroofs? I don't because I rarely ever open them because I worry so much. Like I could, I will tell you my E1 Cayenne sunroof, sometimes it decides to go into the moonroof function and sometimes it closes. And like it has a mind of its own. So... Right. I don't know well, why. Well, talk I, to somebody who's had to do the cables on a 996 Targa. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Your fears are well-founded. So, anyways, I, I, as functionality-wise, I think it's cool. Long-term maintenance-wise, I'm a little fearful of it. But the car itself uh, is gorgeous. Now, the, the Racetech, I think you all know my thoughts on Racetech is, I think it's a okay material. It's supposedly the sporting material. I don't like it on the steering wheel. Um, they, is, they have it everywhere on this. It's oh, everywhere. It's the LA, uh, auto show version. <laughs> it's it everywhere. everywhere. Oh, gosh. I, that's not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to go into like this deep dive on the merits of race tech versus Alcantara, at which point I'd be nodding off. But <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, uh, I, get, I get it as part of the GTS trip. a little trim. bit nicer on the race tech than the auto. Okay. Yeah. So, like, no, no. It, it is handsome, especially when it's new. Again, I'm thinking of the long term ownership side of it like it's a whole lot of uh you know maybe the the race tech material is easier to maintain than the old school alcantara who knows yeah i want to do a long-term test no or not but but regardless of that 500 and what 506 horsepower in a in a wagon for you to haul your family go down the interstate on i mean that's yeah i mean here's the big question is any you know 
I, like I said, I think the Panamera Sport Turismo is fantastic looking. I never see them. I wonder what the take rate is going to be on, on the, uh, the long route Taycan. I mean, I, people should, you know, be snapping them up. I just, you know, I don't know what it is with Americans and, and wagons. But, yeah. Sadly, uh, sadly, I agree with you. I think, I think enthusiasts always say they love tourings, shooting brakes, wagons, hatchbacks for that matter. But when it comes to right, but five people actually, you know, uh, reach into their pockets. Uh, I don't know. I, um, I liked everything about it. I, uh, you know, it was interesting. They showed it in guards red, uh, but Carmine, not guards. That was Carmine. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the Rendo guy stands corrected on that, but <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was fantastic looking. Um, I'm anxious to see what it looks like in, in like a light metallic, um, some of the other colors, but uh, I, I love the car. I so can't believe even, you just led with the, with the Taycan. Well here's, the, well, here's the thing. That car, although it was a world premiere and as amazing as it was, it was under a pretty darn big shadow. <laughs> Right, which is why I said I can't believe we with that car, but, uh, but I think it's great. So let's talk about what was casting that shadow. Well, obviously, it's the, uh, the worst kept secret. The 993 RS? Oh, sorry. That was a nice car. RS? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, since this is an insider uh, podcast, I'll give you a little bit of insider viewpoint. That RS uh, was there for? No, well, actually, uh, um, the Thursday or the day before the member breakfast, uh, we were, uh, Damon and I, we were there for media days. So we're waiting for Vu to show up to have this meeting to go over what's, uh, what's going to happen during the breakfast. And we see the, everyone in a sheer panic and they're all crowded around the uh, GT3, which up until that point, no one was paying attention to oh, I know because of the at. other cars. <laughs> and then uh, I overheard that the window broke. And uh, yeah. evidently, uh, uh, you know how Rob had a window goes up when you shut the door yeah. and it seals yeah. itself. Well, it, it had gone up, but the door wasn't shut yet. And somebody went to shut the door and the battery was uh, either dead or the, they could, they can go in there and shut the car down. So it doesn't use any battery at all. And, um, they clo- must have closed it, it pretty hard with yes. the window in the up position, which hit the, the, um, the seal and, uh, call it a crack. Oh, so it was a safety glass. Yes. I mean, I, I wonder if that is, like special lightweight glass too. That could have been a. It was. It was. Uh, it was panic at the disco, basically. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. What to do? So that's how they ended up rolling down the window because nothing better didn't do to hide the problem. Yeah. We all learned that when we were five years old. Oh um, come on! They wouldn't just take a trash bag and some duct tape. <laughs> I told them some cardboard goes a long way. Um, yeah. And then they took some velvet ropes, which they turned out that the owner of the RS, uh, the nine nine three RS. Didn't want the public touching the car. Understandably. And, and uh, yeah, after media days, so uh, they had the rope. The agreement was they would rope it off. So that was a perfect excuse to also rope off the GT3 so they could keep the windows down and no one would uh, yeah, would try to get in it. So in the end, no one knew until we just told everyone on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is for, this is Manny's forte. I mean, the stuff that you just don't know about. I hadn't heard that story. <laughs> So the other thing is, I wonder if, why is a 993 RS there? Is that an Easter egg? Because it's cool. <laughs> they could. 
Oh, the next car that come out is going to be the GT3 RS, right? Yeah. Or the GT2 RS. Uh, exactly. Oh, so you think it was like an Easter egg? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like a, I'm thinking the uh, next RS, right? You guys are so much smarter than I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It, it may well have been. You watch enough Star Wars movies, you know there's little clues everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah, this well, might have. Easter egg or a but anyways, so, uh, yeah, so the nice. GT4 RS was the big star yeah. that everyone wanted to see. And I don't think anyone was disappointed. This was, uh, this was, uh, how did you put it, uh, Rob, on the phone earlier today? Uh, the, the gift or the send off? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Porsche has this great history of, of like doing almost biking funeral send offs for their cars. I mean, you know, the 993 is the last air cooled 911. The four-cylinder transaxle cars got sent off at the 968 and the 928 GPS. So, yeah, I mean, it seems logical that this is a great send-off for the purely internal combustion, you know, mid-engine portion. If that's what is to be, you know, I think they did a pretty good job. It's also kind of sad if you're telling me to think about it that way. Well, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, are, we, are we dreading uh, electrification. I mean, if you look at the mission R, it doesn't seem like anything really to fear, yeah. but, um, but no, I mean, I think that they finally, you know, let's face it. I mean, it's like the best piece of fan service that, that Porsche has done in a long Absolutely. time. They've given us the minute card that everybody's been clamoring for. And, uh, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, the most hypercritical journalists that I talked to on Tuesday were gushing over the car. I literally couldn't find anything to nitpick about it. Um, so, I didn't even hear anyone talking about, uh, you know, PDK or versus, I mean, everybody was just going absolutely nuts over the car. And immediately the talk went, well, speculation on the car in terms of, of what people are going to be asking in the secondary market, what additional markup, you know, dealers are going to be charging over MSRP, you know, all that happy stuff. Yeah. I have to be honest that when I saw the press release come out, I believe that color is Arctic gray and the wheels are indigo blue as a mm -hmm. reveal color, seeing it on the computer. The color? Huh? You're going to nitpick the color. I, I know it doesn't sound like I should, I should, but, but I just want to be honest. Like I didn't think it was like I, that appealing of a color combo, but then I was, uh, when I saw it in person, then I got it. It, it, to yeah, me, it looks, I, it, complete, I, it, it looks completely different in person than it did in all the press releases. Yeah, no, definitely. But I, I got to tell you, the, if you saw the the, uh, the Cayenne um, uh, Turbo GT that was parked in the corner that was gray with the yeah. gold, you know, satin neodyme wheels. Right. I, that that really popped and that really worked. I, I don't, you know, it's a subtle difference from uh, the color combination they showed the GT4 RS in, but... I don't know, for some reason, uh, that car really, really worked. Yeah, I think everybody was, it's hard to nitpick, and of course I am nitpicking with colors, but, you know, the the car itself, I think, has met so many expectations. People have been wanting it for so long, but yet there's still a question that people were kind of mumbling around while they were looking at the car was, you know, is this, is this, was it was it designed to be right up to the level of a GT3 or a 911 spec car, but not surpass it, or below it? Because it's not as fast as a GT3. Is it? And well, the number <laughs> ring lap time, at least is the it stated the lap time. 
That's what, that's what, that's what, you know, I, I chuckle because people start talking about, well, it's not faster than, it. honestly, it, in, in re- reality terms, any one of us in a standard, let's just say a base boxer versus someone that is a well, you know, that's, that's a good driver could, we, we could be sitting in that GT4S and get smoked by someone in, in a base boxer. So really it's like, does it matter that if it's technically designed to be faster than an I? Because the, the, the weakest point is going to be the driver, which none of us are, you know, super duper drivers, right? But I guess. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I thought we were going to launch into the, uh, the GT4 RS or 718 kneecapping conspiracy theories, but uh, no, don't let me interrupt. Yeah, well, uh, the, um, <laughs> you know, the, the question was, uh, why didn't it break seven minutes? You know, why? I mean, that's an incredible time. Don't get Absolutely. us wrong. And they kept on saying yeah. that's 30 some seconds uh, quicker than a GT4. And that's true. I mean, Formula One teams spend millions of dollars to get a tenth of a second off a lap time. And here Porsche is in, uh, in almost uh, over 30 seconds, I think, quicker. Mm-hmm. But, right. um, you know, and, and even Porsche, and Damon did a, a great um, video interview, um, which is uh, online now. About I think it's seven things about the GT4 RS, and uh, you know you, you ask that question, and the response is uh, you know it's more than just the horsepower. Even though the both cars, the GT3 and the 4 RS, have uh, the same engine, suspension is the suspension is different. Doesn't have the double wishbone. It doesn't have the same aero. Doesn't that, have uh, GT3. Steering. No rear wheel steering, which yeah. is pretty important. Yeah. So uh, there's yeah. th- now the question is. Well, if there's a dot two version of this car, will it finally bow out with all this stuff on it? Mm. Or will, as you say, Porsche kneecap this thing so it's not quicker than... Uh, I personally would love to see the Ultimate 911 end uh, with or at least an internal combustion engine 911 end as the RSR as a mid-engine 911 that they raced. That would be uh, like the ultimate uh, mm, final episode. And then would make everyone happy because the Cayman people would say, uh, I told you so. And uh, <laughs> people would say, it's still 9-11. No, you, trust me, <laughs> you will not make everyone happy. You will not make everyone happy. Not possible. Yeah, there's videos online, though, uh, showing the differences. And the, even uh, JFK-like conspiracy theories on that Jörg Bergmeister might have been bagging it on the lap time. So it wouldn't beat the uh, GT3. It's uh, pretty fascinating, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we have the transcript from the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the next big thing that, you know, I could hear people mumbling while we were, you know, giving the presentation of the car is uh, the price point in which it is offered at. And then the reality sets in of what dealers will be offering the car at. Right, Manny. I mean, what are the, the two big options are the Bizoc package and and the wheels? I mean, what's the what's the damage on just those two options? I think the wheels were fifteen thousand six hundred dollars. I and believe those are for the magnesium wheels. Magnesium, and I yep. tell you, for that much money, uh, they better put stickers on that thing that says <laughs> magnesium, because uh, it. it uh, I mean, they're beautiful wheels, and I, and I applaud them for bringing back. Uh, using magnesium you know and being so lightweight but that's a lot of coin uh, hey, but that's exactly where you want to take it off all that unsprung weight um, what was interesting no one could answer to me was why did the uh show car not have ceramics mm-hmm. 
you know, because you figure if you want to get as lightweight as possible, let's also uh, throw in ceramics. My theory was that if any, anybody asks, what does this car standing here or sitting here go for? Um, the extra $10,000 for ceramics might have pushed it over or too close to the GT3 price. So they withheld maybe. I, I'm not sure. There was, there, no one could give me a reason why or it was like the first time they were, be, were being asked uh, that question. The Wysock uh, package, I think that was almost the same. And it wasn't really, uh, it came with the, um, well, probably the best visual feature of the car, the window uh, intakes with the scoop. Mm -hmm. The regular car comes with uh, what the club sport comes with, which is more flush to the window. The um, Wysock edition comes with this scoop, which immediately reminded me of the 904 the little scoop it had also roughly the same yeah. spot. It wasn't a window, but it had it about that same same height. And yeah, it, it was like a C pillar because there was no quarter window, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you yeah. you, you had to uh, like we were talking earlier, Rob. It's that's an option you have to get because otherwise you're explaining to everyone who sees the car why uh, why you didn't get it. So I haven't spent much right. time in a Cayman where those ducks are is typically where a window is, right? Yes. So as as a a street-driven vehicle, does that present uh, blind spot issues? Well, you know, some of the forums, they brought that up. And so the next day we went there, uh, second the media day, I sat in the car and I I chuckled to myself. I said, well, now this is a Boxster because in our Boxsters, we don't have the windows behind it. So we have a blind oh, spot. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you look over, you're looking at fabric. Right. And it came in, you're looking at glass and you can see through it. Uh, you know, Damon got in the car and Damon says, you know, I don't even think I use my rear quarter windows for anything. Uh, so I don't think it was that big of a deal. That's a good point. Um, nothing that a mirror can adjust. Adjust to it. Yeah. What'd you think? Of right. The, uh, and it's still not, you know, it's, I mean, drive a Camaro or something. Sometimes you want, you know, just absolute horrendous outward visibility. I mean, it still doesn't approach that. And probably what made the, the, the folks happy, uh, happiest was that there isn't, yes, it'll be hard to get initially, but their plan to numbers for this car. Yeah. You asked Michael Tam during tech tactics live and he didn't hesitate. Um, no limited production, uh, that essentially if you want one, you're going to be able to get one. And if you're patient, you shouldn't have to pay additional dealer markup because there's going to be plenty to go around. It may take two or three years to get your model, but if you don't need it right away and don't want to pay additional dealer markup, you shouldn't have to. And I got to say, this is where much props to Porsche. You're coming out with a model like this, saying that we're going to produce it for as many people that want it when... In a stark contrast, we'll wrap up this LA Auto Show. In a stark contrast, we walked the LA Auto Show floor after our event, and it was eighty percent electric news. Yeah, so, right. kudos to Porsche. So, Still. what if what if you're not patient? What do you think the experience is going to be like to be you know one of the first fifty or one hundred people to oh, get you're one? Gonna, you're going to pay a crazy markup on the forums. I'm seeing uh, fifty thousand yeah. additional dealer markup. Yeah. The thing is, though, I mean, everybody, when in 2016, when the 911R came out, you know, everybody was, was you know, chiding the people who paid the additional markup on those cars. And, you know, in the end, 
Dana looks so silly. I kind of think that no matter what you pay within reason for one, you know, you're, you're never really going to be underwater from this car. Yeah. But it's disappointing to me. I mean, if the car really costs that much, you know, whatever that, that markup price was or is, yeah. you know, that's one thing, but just purely just to put a markup on it. Like I, I feel as though you know, even at 140, 150, that's not a small amount of money, but when you take it up to no. 200 or so that like, it just puts a lot of people out of play. And that's unfortunate it, it really because does. it's an amazing car that more people should have the opportunity to own. And let's face it, it's the, the MSRP is 140. What's the MSRP? 143 for a, a base. Yeah. Something like that. Close to that. Yeah, I mean, probably tomorrow on Bring a Trailer, somebody is going to pay close to $100,000, if not more, for 2012 Cayman R. So, well, that's thanks, a that's of thanks to your article. Well, that's, yeah, a, that's well. a fantastic segue, Mr. Sass. Let, <laughs> let's talk about your article of $100,000 cars that aren't. One hundred thousand dollars right now. At least last week they weren't. This week that's changed. Last week they weren't. This week, well, you know what's really discouraging is, uh, you know, immediately after we published that, a, a Cayman R went up on the mark, uh, priced I think at about eighty five thousand dollars, and the seller was saying, "Hey, look what a bargain this is." Uh, it's published this article saying. These are destined to be hundred thousand dollar cars, and you know you buy this now at a fifteen thousand dollar discount. But yeah, and the, the the bring a trailer auction that's happening right now, the six thousand mile Cayman R, same thing. They you know the seller referenced that story. So so for it was so that for car, it was nine eight seven Boxster Spider and nine fifty eight Club Sport. So what what were all the cars that you mentioned in the article? Uh, it was uh, Cayman R. It was the uh, 987 Boxer Spider and the 968 Club Sport. Okay, so three cars in that article that you're saying. What well, you could get that below 100, but it has a future at being. The 968 is a little more rare because it wasn't sold in the U.S., so it had to have been imported. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah. Uh, other two are readily available in the U.S., and uh, yeah, a lot of people who owned them took notice of Rob's article. So. Yeah, but. Uh, they are they're legitimately special cars, all three of them. And, you know, I, for there, there are some cars floating around of, you know, all three of those cars that have, you know, four or 500 miles that people may be asking close to six figures for. But right now, uh, you know, a Boxster Spider with the seats and a manual is sixty-five to $70,000. Uh, 968 Club Sport is 60 to 80, and, and Cayman R's seem to be, you know, 75 to 85. So uh, I'm they gonna all sh- seem to have some upward momentum. I want to share with you, and this is going to floor you, because my buddy who called me a few weeks ago, before this article and everything, and he's uh, he's been looking for a spider, or he just kind of came across a spider, actually. He bought a black one, a 987 Spider, for 48 grand. And it was a low, it was a fairly low mileage car as well. You're kidding. Isn't that crazy? Well, I, I, you know, I, I hear about those They're things still happening every now and then. Yeah. Um, somebody that, that, uh, you and I know, um, bought, uh, a red 987 Boxster Spider from like a franchise Kia dealer or something mm-hmm. in the low fifties. It was a manual car, uh, as well. So, I mean, you know, there are still people out, there, out there who haven't gotten the memo. And it's still possible to, 
you know, probably by the last one at the old price, but yeah, I think, I think the window is probably closing. I think the scenario in which this black car was so inexpensive was the guy wanted it, bought it, tried to drive it the, as much as he could, but he realized he was just too big for the car. And then he wanted to get out of it for what he had left in it, or maybe a couple thousand more than what he had left in it. So that's why. Oh, that's, that's an amazing price. That's <laughs> yeah, like I know, right? Dirty, dirty Carfax. Yeah, car. no, and the car was mint. Car was mint. Yeah. So, so, Rob, what do you think? Uh, I look at the Cayman R, and I think uh, this is a fairly inexpensive way to get into an exclusive club of R and RS ownership. Uh, because, you know, the RS uh, nameplate is very special with Porsche. That's the high of the mm-hmm. uh, height of the height. And, uh, you know, yeah. being able to say you actually have an R, because Porsche didn't build a whole lot of R's. Uh, you know, they, they've been very um, stingy with that name. So right. being able to get a R car, uh, that I think carries some weight. What do you think? I think so, too. I don't know the exact production numbers. I want to say the seller and the bring a trailer auction is going on right now. It's sort of like 641 or something like that. Uh, I don't know if that's the actual number. But, yeah, it's a pretty exclusive car, exclusive club uh, for, like I said, under $100,000. You know, I think uh, it seems like one of the more frequently seen colors is, is Peridot. That's sort of greenish, goldish, light metallic color, which I think is spectacular. It's a ton of car for the money. I think that we'll all probably regret not buying them. Um, you know, and, and, you know, thanks to that, our, I guess the train sort of left the station on that. But, you know, but, like we said, there's always a window of opportunity. But again, I want to underline, don't buy these cars because you're hoping to make 50% right. don't buy buy it because you love the car. My buddy didn't buy this car because it was $48,000. He saw a drop top unique car, wonderful experience buying it at 48 or buying it at 65, whatever you buy it at. If you don't make money down the road on it, at least you can just that's say, fine. You, that's fine. It's fine. If you do make right. money, then that's, that's great. That was the first thing that we said in the first paragraph of the article is don't buy cars for speculation. Buy yeah. it because you love it. That said, all three of these cars are very, very easy cars to love. Exactly, exactly. And we're fortunate that we love a brand that's making cars where, you know, for the most part, if you keep it in good condition, you keep it for a good amount of time and you enjoy it, you're not going to get hurt long term if you decide to get rid of it. Right. So with that, we are at the top of the hour. I want to thank you, Manny, you, Rob. For joining us, we are all getting ready for the holidays here. And um, Rob, thanks to uh, your family for letting us borrow you for an hour. Thank you to the folks at Podcast Studio at 5 North Main. Thank you to the coffee bar, Bel Air, for keeping us awake through this podcast with their wonderful coffee. And Manny, anything else before we sign off? Uh, Be careful on the highways. Be careful on the highways. Stay safe. And until next time, we'll see you.